In this episode of Kostoshi, I talk to two founders who are trying to tackle climate change by building the NASDAQ of carbon and ESG assets. They do this by using an economic incentive model for trading carbon credits on the blockchain. The founders have a background in crypto and environmental sustainability, so we have a good conversation about how crypto can enable change in the future of the ESG industry. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Kestoshi, and today we're talking to 6C Index, and we are speaking to Damien and Dan. So, Damien, could you tell us a little bit about your company and what you do? Sure. Hey, thanks for your time, Zubar. Um, yeah, my name is uh, Damien. I'm the co-founder of 6C Index. Um, we are a, um, a tokenized carbon asset index. And that's just coming out of stealth mode. And yeah, I'm really excited to tell you about it. I'm actually going to turn off my video because I'm having video issues. But then we can go on and I can give you a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, so uh, I came up with the idea um, a little while back with a friend of mine who was a big asset manager in Europe, very traditional kind of establishment um, economist. And I've been a Bitcoin guy for over seven years, just uh, as a trader and an analyst and just teaching everyone I could. I had a very profound moment in my life when I saw the voting prototypes on Ethereum and I, I saw that this was uh, you know, the future of the internet and a possible way to democratize um, a lot of justice issues in life. And so I've kind of been always looking for the, the right timing and the right project. And I was really inspired by the carbon markets and I was first inspired actually by, by Wall Street bets and the idea that you could use internet forums and the new kind of uh, derivative um, leverage trading to move a lot of capital in a decentralized way, a lot, of, a lot of the way that distributed ledger works. And I thought, well, what if we did something good for the world? We picked something that was altruistic or agrarian. So I started researching um, uh, you know, education companies and water stocks. And I came across um, the new kind of derivatives from the carbon market and I was completely inspired. And then I spent the last year just becoming like a self-taught um, carbon analyst and meeting everyone I could and talking to everyone I could and seeing how we could um, apply a blockchain to this um, industry and do something different. And there was just it, you know, there was a lot of things that fell into place with the idea and the people that I met. Um, uh, Dan is one of them. So I, maybe you can let him introduce himself and then I'll continue the story. Absolutely. I'm Dan Hutter, another founding member of the 6C Index. And thank you so much for having us on this podcast. A little bit about myself uh, before I jump into my pathway for the 6C Index is I'm a former corporate Chief Sustainability Officer and have been in the ESG space for a considerable period of time, over a decade, and have been involved in blockchain and passionate about it for a good period of time. I consider myself a Ethereum era alumni. And uh, by happenstance, I met uh, Demian. Um, you know, via the decentralized pathways of blockchain. And I was you know, very taken back in a very positive way about his early white paper version of providing a cryptocurrency via an altruistic method to improve the environment with a emphasis on what I would call a a significant problem that we face as a planetary society, and that is carbon and climate effects. And what I what I loved the most was the fact that you know Demian via the white paper and the other individuals that supported and assisted the early drafts was that you know we were changing the narrative and really looking at transforming you know what could be done about carbon as a commodity via economic pathways and that interconnectedness of blockchain 
and decentralized protocols. So with that, I'll pause there and you can take it away. I'll turn my camera off too for voice concerns. For some reason, it's already gone off. I've noticed. I don't know why. Maybe that's something at this end, but I can hear you clearly anyway. Okay. Um, so that, I think that's a good introduction. Um, but what would you, how, if you had to explain what the company itself does, what is the service it provides? If you had to explain that, how would you do it? Um, so basically we're, we're an aggregate and on board for all the different types of carbon assets in the world. And we want to create a clearing price and um, uh, transform the, the, the carbon markets from offsets into units of drawdown. So to kind of understand that, you kind of have to have a little uh, basic understanding of how the carbon markets work. Generally, um, right now there's two different um, sectors in the carbon market, volunteer and compliance. And in a sense, it's the, kind of the same thing. Um, either you're mandated by the government or you do it by a, a, a pledge, but generally you have to figure out what your carbon footprint is based on your personal consumptions or your company. And, you're, and once you have that, you know how much carbon you're releasing, then you buy these credits that represent carbon that's been removed or allowances to stop carbon. And then you try to maintain a neutrality and you become carbon neutral. The problem with the industry is it doesn't work. It's a, designed as a transitional cost industry. So what I mean by that is um, you, you have to look at carbon as a cost to get to net zero, right? So you say, hey, my company makes this much and generally it works out to about 1% of that cost has to be put to, to these carbon assets. And those carbon assets are immediately what's called retired. And it means that they're put towards that specific emission that you've calculated and it's become a cost, a dead asset. And it's not viable. One, if the world isn't completely mandated, then we're never going to get to net zero anyway because other countries and people that don't have the pledges won't get there. Also, we have to remove the carbon that was there before. And like I said, account for all the other countries. So we have to change it from a cost to an investment thesis. And that's where blockchain comes in because we have the ability to buy up all these assets and add to the transparency is one thing, but what we do is we fractionalize them. So we don't, we contractually retire them so they can never be put to one ass, one specific emission. So they can't be used as offsets and they just become units of drawdown. So when you buy them, they just represent reduction or removal of carbon and your company or your person can afford instead of doing that 1%, you can easily do 2% because it's not a dead asset. It's not a cost. It becomes an appreciating asset, an investment. And because of you know the uniqueness of the financial models in, in blockchain, there's secondary revenue models and it opens up a whole um, uh, possibilities for the future as the volume and the market sizes grow, then you can create all different types of reserve possibilities, which is needed. So we need like, you know, a, a huge change in the way it works. The offsets right now are kind of a necessary evil. They're a license to pollute. And the idea is that you set up emission standards and you so that you can transition these companies because the infrastructures aren't built. But we need all kinds of niche products and like ours that change the narrative and eventually completely remove the narrative in the way that we remove it. And then it becomes a kind of a profound possibility because like I said, in the end, it's all about volume. If we actually get to the point where we're cleaning the carbon and solving the issue, it's such a large amount of volume that it could change the, the way that we reserve value. And then that has a kind of profound uh, implication on, on public discourse in the end. So it, it's an amazing thing. As soon as you start to scrape below the surface and dive into this, it, it, you'll realize that it, the potential is, is, is really profound. Can, can I ask you something there? So are you saying that the problem with the current system is um, it encourages people to pollute and just pay the, and pay the carbon emission? Because I, I would have thought that with the system you're proposing, it might actually um, encourage people to pollute more because then they can, because when they pollute, 
then they can create the carbon. No. Um, am I misunderstanding it here? <laughs> yeah, well, listen, we are a niche. We are not replacing the system until we have uh, the volumes that have changed the drawdown. So we are just... Well, what is the uh, drawdown? What is the drawdown? Can you explain that for the, me? And for, okay, for think viewers? about it. Okay, okay. So we release 50 billion tons of carbon into the atmosphere, right? Mm. Uh, all these countries and people and co uh, companies have made pledges and all these people are going net zero, something like 90% of uh, companies in Europe are making, nine, making effort to buy these credits, but we're still releasing more carbon. The drawdown is when we start going in the opposite direction. When instead of releasing more carbon, we start to clean the atmosphere. And that's the goal, right? So in the meantime, you've got to think of us as not a replacement to the system, but an augmentation to the system. So those, um, those uh, companies that use offsets as an excuse to pollute, are they do it because the emission standards aren't aggressive enough. And we're not going to, we're not against changing the emission standards. We're all for engaging those and making them stronger. But the more that we turn offsets into units of dot, uh, drawdown, those offsets become um, uh, more scarce and they cost more. And that license to pollute goes up. See, so the model isn't based about instantly replacing the system, it's about enhancing the system, parts of the system that is working and then creating a niche that eventually takes over, you see? Ah, uh, okay, yeah, so Demian, you, you I, saying I'll jump that... in, and Demian raises some good points here, you know, from, you know, the climate side is, you know, today, you know, we, we have to do everything we can to nudge the global thermostat in the right direction, right? And that, and that means throwing everything but the kitchen sink and maybe the kitchen sink, you know, at climate change and, you know, a key key method here is to change the economic discussion to give that beyond zero mindset where carbon is seen as a commodity it's seen as an asset uh, so that you know we you know culturally value it as an asset but what's the benefit of I mean, I mean, okay, so, so, so what I understand is you're saying that at the moment people are putting all the carbon into the atmosphere and just paying for the and just paying for the carbon offsets. So, but the people who are buying those carbon offsets, the, are you saying that they should be paying more, like they should get more and more expensive as time goes on? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's simple. Um, it, it, it it's simple math, right? because we know how much it costs to remove carbon, right? The average price in the world, you know, there is no set price and the average price is very, you know, controversial, but it's, you know, you can buy carbon offsets by one ton, that's the measurable unit, anywhere from $10 to up to $100, depending. To actually remove the carbon from the atmosphere is $200. And it was $600 just a year ago, but it's just basic, um, uh, market theory. Once those become the price of carbon becomes profitable instead of subsidized, then you create a, a a boom, and that's exactly what we need for the carbon market to work. The carbon market's not set up there to you know be the slow transition or to create all these new jobs. It's supposed to solve an issue, which is clean the atmosphere and avert the climate crisis. And we, it's a simple, it's a it, it's a quantifiable number. We know what that costs: it's fifty billion okay. to get it out, and we know how much it costs it moves. So we have to move that amount of capital. It's just because to move that amount is so significant that it's a shift. It's like 15% of the world's GDP. And to do that, you're creating a, a completely different mindset of people and the, and the reserve uh, value set in general. Okay. okay. I mean, so, so if, if you're looking back in history at the, uh, the carbon offset industry, when did carbon first start being like cost money to, to produce? Uh, when, when did this start? Was it the 90s or the 80s? Or The carbon market's just over 20 years old. It was after the Kyoto Agreement. The countries got together and, and you know, they, the government started to really um, try to implement more policies and, uh, aligned with what the scientists said and, and the kind of to avert uh, global warming. And they started with all different types of 
what are called schemes for Black a Better World, where they set up different commission emission standards and try to start some sort of uh, standardizations, but they haven't even completed them within their own countries or industries. So, but the markets existed and they're fraught with a lot of, um, you know, issues with uh, greenwashing and double spending and a lot of these controversies can are are about to be solved though because could you define of greenwashing could you define that when you say that As yeah greenwashing is is a it's a company that um would buy offsets knowing that um they do it to save their reputation and look like they're more green than they are and they know that that in itself is an asset and the money they use, they put it towards something that pollutes. So you get a net negative of actually helping the planet. That's kind of the definition of greenwashing. Oh, okay. Is this kind of like where, so it's like advertising basically. So the, the so, so that they can, it's, it's like, it's like when company, maybe an oil company advertises their renewable um, um, procedures or whatever. And exactly. Say, okay. Okay. So but their internal policies um, don't reflect um, the kind of advertising that they're saying. And in the end, it's like I said, it, it gets down to numbers, right? Um, at this point, carbon is a cost. You have to mm. spend, you have to pay for the, for the allowances or the offsets, and you uh, have to equate that as a cost. And then when it goes into the books, mm. it's what do you do with that extra money or less lock, loss of money mm. in the end it depends on how, what industry you're in, whether it's you know uh, a gain or a loss. But then what you do with it, that's when it becomes really greenwashing. If you have a gain and then you're using it, invest in something else that that's also harmful for the environment. Uh, okay, okay, that, okay. So sorry to interrupt you, but with another part. So because I'm trying to make sure I understand everything you're telling me. And so after the Kyoto um, Protocol, then the original aims of it. How would you say in the last twenty years how have the original aims how much of that has been fulfilled you know i'm trying i'm trying to get you to judge the success of it based on what you think well wow i mean most car most climate activists would tell you it's a complete market failure but uh, you know a lot of uh, asset managers wouldn't and obviously there are a lot of there's there's successes and there's failures but it, overall the market is a failure because we haven't started the drawdown, but we have started the transition, you know, especially in Europe, where and we have just started um, um, valuing the risk, you know, especially on um, private uh, public companies and incorporating it. And all of this, you know, it's it's a difficult kind of calculus to make see how the that the offsets are calculated towards the risk to the actual move of the transition and to the price of. Uh, renewable to the price of oil. There is no standards in all of this. It's very complicated. That's why you'll hear all the time, oh, it's so much cheaper now with, with solar and wind, but the, the actual cost of, of in when you factor in all those dead assets that the, the fossil fuel companies would have to, you're breaking up a little bit. You also have to be free to make a complete switch. Yeah, so, so you broke up a little bit, but I under, I could kind of hear what you see, what you were saying. And you, you were saying that um, um, near the end, when you're breaking up, that that solar, people say that solar is coming in. Could you maybe repeat that last part, or could could you um, step in, Dan? Because I think your your voice was breaking up a little bit at the end. Dan, maybe you could take the question. Could you repeat the question, please? Because there was break up. Oh, okay, okay. For the um, entire system. Yeah, so, so, so I was, I'd been asking about after the Kyoto, Kyoto Protocol, how the success was. I heard most of your answer, Demian. So um, you, you basically said it was a failure. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call it absolutely a failure. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, the trade in the carbon credits that began with the U.S. Kyoto Protocol, you know, it was the first of the international agreement. That's a success right there to cut CO2 emissions that began 20 years ago. Now, we all realize that we need to accelerate it, but uh, Demian has turned me into, uh, um, you know, the optimist versus the fatalist. And 
you know, we have done a lot of good things, you know, and, you know, certain industrialized countries to reduce remissions abroad, then that might be cheaper, you know, than at home, you know, such as planting trees in the tropics, uh, preventing deforestation in the Amazon, and that list goes on and on. And that's been done both through the voluntary and compliance markets. But what we also realized, um, and we realized specifically, is that climate change isn't decelerating. It's accelerating, as we stated earlier. And it's a considerable and sizable industry that, you know, has grown up around it. And we feel that, you know, we can offer a, you know, new product as Demian, you know, said very well on, you know, taking a, you know, an alternative approach to thinking about carbon as a very important commodity to us versus this expense structure. Demian, are you clear now? Yeah, it's clear. Uh, That goes to our point that is, yeah, I am an optimist. And I think there are things that are working in the carbon market and and the, the move towards sustainability in general. Although at, in some sense, it could still be called a market failure. I don't think we need to throw out the, 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 the baby with the bathwater, as they say. I think we need just to concentrate on the things that are working and, and apply new revenue models and, and technology um, to those. And there is a lot of hope. Okay, okay. But, but okay, so... In my head, I'm trying to think now, why is what you're doing something that could work where nothing's really happened in the last... I, I actually think it's that um, most... Com- what you said about greenwashing was quite... I thought was an excellent point earlier because that, I see a lot of that in every, everywhere I go. Everyone says, we're green, we're green, buy this, this is green. And then they push the price of the products up. You know, it's really just... It's actually just used to, to to push the price up of things by saying they're green and and you know and i even see a lot of the esg efforts that actually i i personally think they make no difference and, and, and actually often harmful to the environment because they don't look at the big picture and solve the real problems um but why do you think that some a blockchain i mean i know what my thought is but i'd, I'd like to hear yours why do you think a blockchain based approach can succeed where 100 or 200 nations talking has not really succeeded? Um, it, it's, not that, it's not that we're going to succeed where those nations are. We're just going to be a tool to amplify the voices of those nations and kind of change the narrative. Um, blockchain has proven that it can create a, a $3 trillion market cap without any sort of arduous centralized policy. So if nothing else, it proves that it has the ability to move new capital and change kind of public sentiment and you know peripheral thought, if nothing else. There's all kinds of technical aspects to this that um, only the blockchain can offer with the fact that the transparency um, you know, and the immutability to help solve a lot of the greenwashing issues to monitor the projects also to inter- to kind of integrate with a lot of geospatial and and different kind of um uh, uh you know monitoring technologies in general to map uh, the carbon projects and then the revenue side which has like i said the interesting kind of um staking models w- once you have the the we're collateralizing an asset that would normally be a dead asset and when you do that, then you're creating a new type of value. And, and uh, blockchain allows for all kinds of interesting new uh, revenue uses and reserve uses for that within the different ecosystems, which is just a very slow and arduous policy if you try to do that through centralized banks or centralized um, policymakers. I, I agree with that, actually. Is, is, I, I mean, I see one of the big things with blockchain is when you try and get agreement in the real world, you know, you could, you might spend 10 years or 20 years or it might never happen, but with the blockchain, you do it and it could either take off or it can't. I mean, I mean, for something like this, where I see there's a positive is if I have say USDC, um, the uh, st- US dollar stable coin. Um, if, if I could just swap that for some of your carbon credit tokens, 
I mean, for me, if I was as an investor, I would probably just um, want to see the value of those go up. But then I'm wondering what happens if the value of them overall goes down? Does that mean, does, does that encourage people to pollute? I'm not sure there might be two or three different questions in there and I haven't worded them well, but maybe you can pull that apart if you can understand what I'm trying to ask. Um, it doesn't encourage people to pollute if the price goes down. That's a great question. I mean, that's one for the carbon markets in general. Um, it depends. But like I said, if it's... it's uh, it depends on, on the sector and, and whether you're, um, it's mandated or not. For us as a derivative product, like I said, those um, credits will never be uh, used for, to put to specific emissions or offsets. You know, they are, like I said, just collateralized retired credits. So there's no, if the market depreciates, it'll breathe like any other kind of asset over time. Um, but the reality is that we have these massive uh, uh, understanding in society with our governments, with our people, you know, the, the cat is out of the bag. Everyone wants to, to save the issue, the, the problem that wants to save the, uh, avert the crisis. So the demand is there, you know, the, the effect on price, you know, I think could only go up in time if we once we gain traction because if we're just buying up every um uh you know carbon asset we can and it'll only create scarcity and value so okay uh, well, we would have to force, see downside we would have to force people to innovate for example um i interviewed green hashes um a few months ago and they're trying to make carbon capture like hundreds of times cheaper than it is at the moment so are you saying that doing what you're doing could force innovators like that to come in and you know and try and uh, make you know like take more carbon out like what incentive have they got if they can take a lot of carbon out of the atmosphere how can they use this this system to to actually make money if they're taking a lot of carbon out of the atmosphere it depends on what their revenue model is to scale okay because we're talking about like i said 50 trillion a year and growing okay so it's great if you can come up with a technology to take out carbon that's super cheap right mm -hmm. but if it doesn't scale how are you going to get the capital to be investing in the first place you know what i'm saying it's if you look at it as a donation in a charity the governments haven't shown any will to put the amount of money it takes to do it you know, if you're looking at the private sectors to do it without any sort of incentive, I don't see how that would work. I, I see okay. that it's based off of the, I mean, the idealist approach is great and maybe eventually we get there, but time is of the essence. We need to move that amount of capital now. We need to make those projects um, profitable because look what they're up against. You know, they're okay. up against. So, so yeah, go me, I, I don't see it as a vi Everyone, almost everyone I speak to is, is united in the idea that we need the price of carbon to go up as a value set okay, so that we okay. can, so that we, that the main companies and like the registries and all of the farmers that are converting to farming carbon instead of cows and all these things, they're being, they become profitable and that, you know, we can engage the capitalist forces that we have for your, for that other project to work we'd have to have a, you know, a seismic shift in uh, to more to a more idealistic uh, economic system, which we don't have, as far as I can see, because of the size of the problem. Okay, so, so if you if you if you like the su supreme leader of the world, what would be the right way to solve the this problem of and to get to, you know, to, to fix the climate change, in your opinion? The supreme leader of either the world. either of you can answer this because I'm not you know <laughs> or both. Um, well, I would like I said I would do exactly what we're doing. We would take we would we would start the regenerative um, uh, commodity revolution, and we would move major um, amounts of the world's reserve 
into regenerative commodities that actually value good over consumption, you know, uh, or obscure debt ratios or scarcity. And that's it. You would start a boom. Like human investment psychology is very predictable. If you can create something that that's, uh, you know, profitable and kind of a narrative and myth around it, then it all goes in. So that's it. We need a carbon boom. It's actually going to happen one way or the other. You can see it. You can feel it in the, in the background. And the beauty of this stuff is it's not science fiction. None of this is fantasy. The registries. You've got off there. You, you've, um, I think you went off the air, but I, I, you know, I'm going to back up where Demian, uh, just stated, you know, his remarks, you know, at its core, you know, is this fight against climate change is going to require a massive shift uh, in global consumption habits. Oh, he's back. Right? He's and that's back. not yeah, a, but, yeah. and that's not an easy thing to accomplish. But, you know, what we're focused on is blockchain because blockchain via decentralized layers, it's an incredible tool for incentivizing broad decentralized participation in global green initiatives and there's going to be multiple players that are going to innovate in our space in the utility space whether it's nature-based solutions whether it's technology solutions you know in this fight against climate but it's an all hands on deck problem it isn't just you know one central figure problem it's all hands on deck problem yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean that's one of the things, though, because at the moment, some places might, like for example, I'm half Indian, so, so I've heard people say in the West, oh, you know, you know, they know they're doing the polluting, but then when they see people in like India and other places using really polluting cars, they're like, oh, they shouldn't be doing now. Like if you go to India, like you know, people are more concerned about survival than pollution, mm-hmm. and. And if you ask them, oh, you know, what do you say to people who say that you shouldn't be polluting? They say, well, don't I have the right to have cars and things? You know, even with all this stuff, you've still got 100 times better life. So don't I have the right to even the basic stuff so I can, you know, get to my job? Um, I said that I've made that point because we were talking about, you know, like um, how, you know, uh, different countries in the world might be polluting and about incentives. You know, does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, and I think you're talking about, um, you know, multiple, you know, facets of, you know, sustainable development, right? And specifically on the, you know, the topic consumption habits, you know, wider societal shifts. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 I can hear. I, I mean, but also like, you know, with consumption, like, I mean, one of the things I find very, I mean, correct me if you think this is wrong, but I, 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 I see so many people are telling, are saying to me, um, oh, you should, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, and then they ignore, you know, like, like if there's something that affects their actual life, that then suddenly, you know, they say that 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 doesn't count in consumer habits. Only stuff which is a nice to have are they, you know, or something they don't really need, they're willing to give up. For example. A lot of people wouldn't be willing to give up meat or driving a car or flying. You know, it's like, no, that's stuff I want to do. You know, I want to go on my holiday. I want to eat meat. I want to. Does that make sense? And, and you know, so, so we still do a lot of these things. Correct. And, and, and it, that's, it, I think, it, about it looking does, at the bigger does, picture. You know, it's not yeah, just no, about it, carbon. There, it, yeah, there but, is a bigger picture, but I'll even go bigger. It's that how many people in the world are unbanked, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree, and when people and when people are hungry and they have no access to financial resources like services, they don't they don't care what what's happening in the environment because you know that's not going to kill them. Something else is going to kill them. Yeah, right. So I think there's there's a lot of innovation coming in. You know, blockchains and some great you know blockchains out there that are seeking ESG standards like for benefit. You mentioned India, like Fire. Um, they're, they're, they're promoting new protocol mechanisms that are really looking at for benefit mechanisms for the broader, uh, for, for broader societies, that bigger, broader picture. And, 
you know, we are at the cusp of innovation with blockchain meeting ESG, ESG meeting, you know, blockchain, you know, in one sector of, um, you know, the, the next industrial revolution, right? You know, we're moving on the, you know, three to four and soon four to five. And it's going to happen more quickly than it has in the past. And yeah. it's important that, you know, we put in new methodologies, you know, new ways of thinking and really think outside of the box, which this platform, you know, our proposed protocol and mechanism does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so with the stuff, so, so with um, what you guys are doing, how far are you along now and um, what's the kind of the roadmap going forward? Yes. Um, so, you know, we are finalizing our roadmap. We have just come out of stealth mode, uh, hence we're on this podcast um, and we'd be on others. We have uh, formed uh, strategic partnerships and are in review uh, with other uh, strategic partners as we look forward to, you know, turn our form, our formal roadmap, which is formal to us, move it to an online chat. Uh, we do plan on attending Consensus 2022, uh, which, you know, we are really excited about and then target, you know, our IDO, you know, later, you know, this year. And, you know, up till that point, you know, it's going to be about, you know, what I would call no different than the carbon market. You want to prevent leakage, right? Uh, but I would say we're structurally, you know, forming our team. You know, we are you know, continually updating, you know, our, our technical characteristics, our people and our strategic partnerships and coming out with pathways to get 6C, you know, out there as we build out our community, our development. So, you know, we're coming out of start mode is the short answer, but, you know, we have a lot on deck and, you know, what I am, you know, most proud of here at 6C is, you know, we have a great group of decentralized individuals that have came from a variety of resources and sectors and countries that are really passionate about this idea of carbon, you know, a new narrative and really impacting, you know, to do good, which I feel good about. Okay. And, and, and how are you paying for the party so far? Who's funding Pardon? this? How, how are you funding this? Yeah. So, you know, we will disclose, you know, in time, you know, how it's funded, but we do have uh, funding mechanisms that are in place. And both are, you know, via traditional, I would say crypto mechanisms, you know, as we seek you know, initial early investors all the way to IDO launch, all the way to, you know, sustaining liquidity. But okay, you know, so you'll have like a DAO or something. So, so you have a DAO or something. Right, right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. okay. But, you know, we're early stage. Yeah. You know, we're an early stage, you know. And, and, and how is and it? Because you're, you're based in the US, is that correct? Yes. Uh, okay. In Wyoming. Okay. And, and how is it in the US? I mean, um, I know this is going to be a public podcast, so I don't want to get you guys into any trouble or anything, but are you allowed to start a DAO in the US um, or do you have to get permission before you do it? How, how, how does that work? Well, I'm not going to comment on, you know, the legal aspects mm. of what I would say 6C index is, mm. you know, we will have, you know, another person from our team uh, comment on those, you know, mm. whereas, you know, Demi and I are focused on, you know, him, you know, being, you know, our lead and me being the ESG person, you know, that is really looking at the climate and carbon credit market structures. So okay, yeah. we do have pathways. Okay. Um, I, it's interesting because like one of the, th the big things I see for a project like yours is I know that so many of the big um, like index funds and mutual funds and, you know, like they want to make ETFs and I know you can't do it yet in the USA. Um, and it's so hard to get exposure and ESG because it's so high up on the list of priorities. I, I could see that you could act that, that, you know, it could make sense to go to a big pension fund and say, you know, 
um, so that you can say, you know, you know, like if you if you invest in Bitcoin or some other crypto, you could also offset that a bit by investing in us. I, I see that could be a very good go to. I don't know, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking that could be a go to market strategy. Does that make any sense? What I'm saying. Yes, I mean, I think down the road, you know, we would like to move to, you know, those uh, beachhead states, mm. right? Um, but, you know, our, our initial focus is going to be, you know, on our team, setting up our, you know, our blockchain, our key strategic partners, mm. and continuing to, you know, you know, push, you know, the narrative, you know, okay. along with our partners. Okay. And... So and, and that's going to evolve with the entire sector of the blockchain itself, mm-hmm. uh, which is very early in stage. And the carbon market, you know, as you just discussed, um, you know, with Demian, you know, it's 1990s. It, you know, it's not very old either. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and when, when do you see this being released? Is this this year, next year, like for the general, um, like where anyone can like you say like, like either go to an exchange or go to MetaMask and buy your tokens. When, when do you envision that could happen? Yes, I would say look to the future um, to uh, get a more solidified date to your specific question. Um, but you know, we we will uh, publish a roadmap. Okay. And okay. you know, this is coming out of you know stealth mode. You know, yeah, I, I'm always trying to get the dates because because I, I want to you know I'm trying to figure out you know work backwards <laughs> to the roadmap. But uh, okay, um, okay. Um, so, um, is there anything else you'd like to say about your company? Because it'd be nice to maybe just talk a little bit about the crypto and the blockchain industry in general, um, if you're okay with that. Unless there's anything else you want to say about your company first, any or about the carbon industry. Yes, I, I mean I would I would tell your viewers to be open to new mechanisms to really explore the power of blockchain and you know most importantly you know you know review the climate market review you know climate scenarios review you know carbon you know as an industry sector and become engaged uh, because you know as i mentioned earlier you know this is a you know you know all hands on approach you know we we are up against a significant problem and we all can rise to this challenge and turn it into an opportunity for all and okay. do our part and, and when you say to encourage people to look at your blockchain does that mean you're coming out with your own layer one blockchain as opposed to a token on ethereum or, or a different blockchain does this mean you're making your own layer one well no i didn't state that you know the we were layer one um we will be a layer two uh, we will not be a layer one. You know, we will be built on top of a blockchain layer one that, you know, we are in strategic uh, conversations with uh, some very large blockchains and some very uh, ESG centric blockchains. And we are deciding as a, uh, as a, as a team, a community, um, which layer one we'll choose. So there, there's a lot of information you know, that will be released in the future, you know, based on the, you know, the legality and which blockchain Mm. that hasn't been formally released yet, you know, due to, you know, our agreements that are in place, but it's exciting future. Okay. So I assume it's not going to be Bitcoin or Ethereum because they're both proof of work so far. Um, (laughs) So it'll have to be a proof of stake blockchain, at least I'm guessing. Okay. Well, you know, as you, as well as I, am aware that proof of stake in terms of a consensus protocol, um, you know, the energy intensity is significantly less than proof of work, you know, just due to the validation nomination processes. And there are other blockchains that are producing, you know, these hybrid, you know, proof of stake mechanisms that are even going beyond the energy intensity factors and incorporating you know, other, you know, proof of stake, you know, protocol voting mechanisms that, you know, are ESG layered, you know, right into core. So we are, you know, excited about, you know, those as well, because I know you wanted to talk about blockchain and the innovation that comes. And I, you know, I think we're at the cusp, as I said earlier, of, you know, blockchain and its interoperability with ESG or vice versa. 
and you are seeing a significant amount of you know blockchains become more interested in ESG, which is a good thing. Okay, so, so um, maybe to talk a little bit about the, um, if we could talk a little bit about the future, do you see that, for example, say you go like at the moment you go to like the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, do you see that in five years time we might have a, a similar exchange, whether it's online or in a physical building in the US, I don't know, or globally, the same sort of thing then for um, for carbon capture and similar um, for similar things, like maybe the Chicago board of of, of carbon credits or something. Yes, I mean, I um, I mean, there's already you know certain you know compliance markets on the voluntary side as well that you know are indexed with you know carbon, whether it's in Europe, um, and there's already carbon credit trading in the U.S. Right. But yeah, it seems I, to be a property of, of, of you know, just a sideline or, or or to be ESG compliant is, is a property of other things. But you're talking about making a first class citizen. That's what that was my understanding of what we talked of what you were saying. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I hope. And is that blockchains in terms of, you know, talking about finance, climate futures is that we're rethinking infrastructure. And, you know, the transition to a low carbon future, you know, it, it requires a significant amount of infrastructure systems and services and their interaction, you know, with consumers, you know, and that that has to go through a lot of different facets. And we won't get into all those facets like you know, procurement, financing, construction, operations, etc. But, you know, where blockchain technologies, and I believe they um, they will come, in my opinion, is that they will be a digital enabler for sustainable infrastructure. And you're going to see new markets, you know, whether it's on the finance side, whether it's on the ops side, and the linkage between on-chain and off-chain, you know, on-chain blockchain, off-chain, you know, outside of blockchain. And, you know, those, you know, mechanisms you know, whether it's a layer one, layer two, layer three on blockchain, or, you know, a company that wishes to procure carbon credits that, you know, is operating and has a consumer product, you know, I think, you know, all these seeds are being planted. And I think more seeds are going to be implanted. And that's a good thing as this market will grow and it's absolutely needed. The infrastructure. Okay. And do you, do you see there's a lot of, players in the space who are trying to build this future or are you are you one of like for example if you look at crypto gaming there's like there's hundreds of thousands of companies trying to build stuff but in in what you're doing do you see many companies tackling this you know i think we're very unique in our approach our narrative and you know we hold ourselves um you know based on you know the diligence that we've done is that we're the first to coin regenerative tokenomics. You know, it's that pushing that near narrative and, you know, adding a regenerative fundamental to blockchain technology. And, you know, I think, you know, we are in this niche space and I see others coming into it. I see others that are in it uh, with different, you know, protocols, different, you know, use cases, different access cases. Um, but, you know, the visibility and alignment, you know, in terms of, you know, overall sustainable, you know, goals, you know, whether it's on the countryside, the stakeholder side, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's about doing good for the planet, you know, and for society. And I think that these enabling platforms, while few today, you know, will be a way in the future to standardize data access compliance access and standardization, which yeah. will ultimately, in my opinion, you know, be, you know, be linked to these deep analytics yeah. and applications that are housed by, you know, the blockchain itself. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I know I was, I was trying to talk about like looking at the future and also may, maybe I'll also say, so in five or 10 years time, if your platform is successful, what difference will it have actually made to the world and to how companies behave 
like specific things, not just you know no carbon. I mean, what well, will yes. they be doing differently? Well, I think you know, you know, at the end of the day, it's um, you know anyone who can predict the future, you know, <laughs> it, it, that'd be a great thing, right? So I, I wouldn't say I, I want to predict the future, but I want to say what I hope. I think you should. I think you should predict the future because you're going to change companies' behavior if your product, yeah. if your um, system works. Yes, what I what I'm going to say is that our goals and our targets it's to change consumption changes, to change the narrative on um, carbon as an expense versus an asset and look at it as more of an asset to you know use our platform to bring new innovation you know into you know this climate change fight and you know to ultimately you know use blockchain as an enabler that you know will be will be this multi-link approach you know in the decentralized pathways okay is it? Do you think it's possible that um, when that when your system is live, it could also cause some companies to pollute more? I know I'd kind of asked this before, but is that possible? Even if it's Pardon? in the short term, is it possible that it could incentivize them to pollute more? You know, I don't. I'm not going to call it a you know possibility because what we attempt to do is take the good out of the offset market, right? And change that to the drawdown beyond zero approach. Yeah, 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 so there's going to be a transition period, mm. right? Where, you know, we are going to be building out our protocol and using our, you know, ESG analytics that, mm. you know, Demian talked about mm. to ultimately, you know, build that credibility and trust, you know, on chain and that link to off chain. Okay, so okay. Yeah, I, I think I think I think I'm still struggling to find out. So who's the ultimate set of I mean, I, I know you're you're saying that you want to turn carbon from a um like into an asset. Um and I'm trying to figure out but you know, who's the people who actually change their behavior? That's what I'm really trying to figure out. Is it is it the people? Is it investors? Is it funds, or is it or is it the, the carbon producing companies, or is it all of them? Can you them? guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. Now I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'm back. Um, I'll try to take that question. It, it's the investors, and then ultimately the sector itself. You know, so it will be the people that. The, all of the companies and engineers and the people that are out there trying to remove the carbon and clean the atmosphere. And like I said, ultimately, carbon is the start. We're going to reweight the, the credit. First, it'll be heavy with government and allowances, and eventually it'll just move into pure reduction, and eventually it'll be into biodiversity and then anti-plastic. And it, it'll change the kind of the narrative on how you can um create value sets you know because if nothing else crypto has proven you can do that off of you know speculative protocol so and now you can do that off of uh tokenizing unique digital art so why don't we tokenize um you know healing activities because we have this new kind of technology that allows us to redefine what the value is what the reserve is and so okay. carbon is the low hanging fruit. And in the end, when you do that, you'll, you'll, you'll start to change what people hoard in the end. And right now, like we have the, the money, right? There's the, the biggest asset managers in the world, you know, control, uh, you know, a hundred trillion dollars worth of um, movable capital. Okay. So, you know, human society has produced that kind of, uh, investment value and it's they they move it based off of risk assessments you know they want to keep it certain size amounts of capital can only go certain places depending on the risk right and we want to change how the risk assessment ultimately is of carbon and then other regenerative commodities okay and so start to, yeah it's it's kind of a gateway into 
into um, how capitalism is used in a sense. Okay, you mentioned the investors. So does this mean like if there's a, a company or even just say, just say there's someone sitting at home watching TV, say, ah, the climate crisis, no one's doing anything about it. Are you, are you, if they then took their laptop, they took their MetaMask, went to your website, bought some of the tokens, that would push the price up a bit. Would that make it more expensive for polluters? Exactly. But in the end, like I said, we're, we are an institutional product. We're going to use the retail market to get the attention of the, the blockchain and the crypto owners in that world. And then the fringe funds that already have some of their portfolio in crypto. And then as the market matures in general, where they, they iron out the um, custodial issues and we iron out the ESG issue, the two big you know, barriers for institutional money. So in the end, we're an institutional product because like I said, it's quantitative. We need to get, it's a $9 trillion uh, 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 value that we need to get out of the sky. And so we need a whole sector, a whole new asset class to begin. So um, obviously it won't just be us, you know, we'll be the NASDAQ of that. And, mm. you know, it's, the, it's growing in the peripheral. Like you said, there was, there's thousands of gaming or NFT companies in the last few years. A year ago, there was maybe one tokenized carbon. Now there's at least 50, right? So it's, it, people just haven't, it hasn't caught on or people haven't understood it, but that's the way, you know, technology works. And the, the regen market, the regenerative um, finance, it, it exists. It's, it's actually, it, like I said, once you dig into it, I think it has the most profound implications and it, it kind of, pushes the discourse in a way a lot of people can relate to. We're just at the forefront of that. Uh, in the end, like I said, it's about moving big institutional monies. The average person and all these things, we want to affect them, the narrative in, in the end, but we want to affect the market itself so that we start a boom in all of the technologies that convert it. And like you said, those licenses to pollute, the offsets shoot up, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, in the in, end, in, 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 I think in some ways this is like the gaming for like for normal people sitting at home, like they might invest in gaming tokens, which they do, and companies. This will be their equivalent of a gaming token. We want to do good. We want to do good. Let's invest in this carbon token, carbon offset yeah. token. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it's well. Are we going to solve the issue? You know, are we going to remove the fifty billion tons? Well, we know how much that costs. And how are we going to do it? Is it going to be an expense on society? And who's going to pay for it? Insurance companies, donations? Mm. That's not going to work. It isn't working. So we need to turn mm. that into a commodity, into a value set. And then, yeah, that can become, once it gets big enough, it becomes the value set under just like Bitcoin. Once it got big enough, it started to become an underlying for all kinds of different industries. Mm. And, and then, you know, the sky's the limit. But it's, it's pure numbers. We just have to get it to the seven trillion a year, mm. which is enormous and it's a big undertaking. Mm. But uh, I, I totally see it happening in the next five years. Okay. And, and okay, I, I was going to also ask, but maybe it's getting a bit too technical. I was going to ask about how you link the the uh, digital assets to the actual because I'm assuming is it a contract in the real world, but um, yeah, that's... we're gonna. It's actually not that complicated in far as smart contracts go because it's we're not incorporating a lot of utilities. There are other tokenized carbon assets out there, and they're going one to one with with uh, the credits, and so that people can hold them or retire them and use them as offsets. Like I said, we're pulling them out of the offset ecosystems, and we're just putting multiple registries. Uh, well, each carbon credit produced by a registry or government has its own registry code. So we're taking the registry code and then just adding that to a, a, adding multiple versions of multiple uh, registry codes to one single token, basically, so that you, you, you don't control any of them, but you own a small percentage of all of them. It's actually quite simple uh, theory in a sense, because like I said, we're taking away utility. So it's okay. not that complex. Yeah. The complex side is like the, that comes with when you balancing any uh, any um, 
stable coin or commodity token or any EFT, ETF with an underlying in general. And that's where you need a balancing mechanism to protect the, you know, the analog values opposed to the value set from your own API. We have a, if you read in our white papers, you can see that which um, kind of uh, um, uh, algorithmic a, a solution we're using is basically we have a secondary utility coin which we hold a, a value and if it goes below if the actual underlying moves out of sync with the the index token then we buy or or burn them to so keep it in value it's the same system they use for etfs in general yeah. so just don't mention um ust because that tanked today and yesterday <laughs> like yeah you know, yeah um Okay, I think Dan's dropped off. By the way, um, is it so? Maybe we should close off um, soon. But is there anything you'd like to add, like where people can find you and um, any yeah, like thoughts? you can look for us and come to our website, and then from there you can find us on Twitter and and Telegram and Discourse. Uh, we're like uh, we're coming out of stealth mode. We're going to make some big announcements soon, and we're going to have a real community because we've been fielding offers and deciding on which blockchain and which strategic partners we're going to take. Um, we have partners lined up on the procurement side, and um, you know, on the investment side, definitely on the blockchain side, and so there's going to be a lot happening soon, and um, yeah people will be hopefully be able to find us really easy okay all right sounds good okay um so um thanks a lot for your time Demian, and um say um bye to dan for me i know he's dropped off at the moment. hey thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it zubar and uh, i'm glad i worked out my technical issues here in the end and uh uh yeah i look forward to uh rocking your world in the future with our products super thanks a lot Demian. thanks bye all right